0: of his God was on him. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. So it says that God's hand was on Ezra because he made a decision. He was going to study, obey, and teach God's word. He's going to study, obey, and teach God's word. So that's the three points, right? Ezra was obviously a Baptist. So we're going to go through these three things. Study, obey. Some of you got that joke. Three points, maybe a poem at the end, right? Um, But study, obey, and teach. So let's look at these, okay? One by one, study. So if you're around here enough, you'll hear this over and over again, right? Study God's word study God's word. Pastor Jeremy, when he is here, um, uh, be praying for him. He's wrapping up his vacation. He and his family, they've been having a great time uh, from the, the couple of texts I've got from him. Usually they're silly pictures that he's sending me, but um, so he, you know, he's having a good time. Um, but you'll hear, you know, he goes through a passage of God's word and we as a church family study through a book of the Bible together, right? So it's a big part of of our church, what we do here, and and you hear quiet time, right? Your devotions, have your quiet time all the time. Um, we hear that, but too often, kind of what we do with quiet time, right? If you're in the Word of Life quiet time, those of you that are familiar, the adult version, right? You've got a passage to read. So today we read Psalm 77, uh, and then it, you know there's a little commentary, but it asks you two questions. You know, what do the writers say? How can I apply this to my life? And a lot of times we'll get we'll get it and we'll open and we'll read. And then, you know, we'll, we'll fill in and answer the two questions as, as few words as possible. Uh, and then, you know, close it. We'll be done. Right? And I had my quiet time. Check it off. Right? Um, but the boys in my small group uh, on Sunday nights know, you know, I get on them. Right? It's not, one, you've got to have your quiet time in the first place. But two, it's not just reading God's Word. Just reading the Bible is not studying it. Right? Ezra said he was going to study God's Word. And students, right, hopefully you are masters of study. Um, and it kind of makes me think of, I was uh, at Wayne Christian, uh, I got to administer Hope's uh, AP English Composition and Literature. Is that what it was? Right? They got me because I know nothing about it, so I can't help the students at all. Um, but they're in there, you know, you think of a student on an exam and like an AP exam, and, and they've got to write these essays, right? was like three or something. I don't know three essays, uh, so, so they have to study, and to be able to write an essay, do you guys, did anybody like essay questions on your exams when you were in school? No, everybody's shaking their head, nobody, because you actually had to know, Miss Sue, you liked them, the, the moms back here likes essays, because you actually have to know what you're talking about, right, to, to be able to get there and answer the question and, and all of this stuff, and I, I took AP history in high school, and bombed my AP history exam. But that's all right. I loved history. Uh, I, but you have to you know, understand the concept and be able to explain it to someone else and all that. And so we think of studying God's Word. That's the way we should think about it. Think about studying for an essay exam, right? Being able to take it, digest it, and explain it to somebody else in your own words right? That's the way we should study God's Word. It's not just coming up and, and, you know, reading it and saying, okay, well, I'll check this box, you know, fill in the blanks in my quiet time and and call it done. Um, But we need to study God's Word with as much enthusiasm as a student trying to ace a final exam. That's the way we should look at God's Word. I tell my boys in small groups, right? Uh, you, You come to church and somebody, you know, preaches to you, and it's kind of like when you're in a hurry in the morning and you're going past one of those, you know, the tropical smoothie places, and they go and they mix all the stuff and blend it up in the blender. I love smoothies, right? But they blend it up in the blender and hand it to you, and you're drinking this liquid, you know, stuff, and it tastes great, right? And it's kind of nutritious, right? But that's not the same as sitting down on Memorial Day with a steak that you just grilled on your own grill and a steak knife and a fork and cutting into it and eating your own food, right? That is what we should look for when we're studying God's word. Taking out our steak knife and our fork and cutting our own food. And that's really how we should get into God's word. Ezra looked at this and he said, you know what, I'm gonna you know, dedicate my life to studying what God's Word says. Not just reading it, not just having kind of this knowledge from being around it, but actually study it for myself. And Joshua, you know, when, when Moses was telling Joshua, he said, meditate on it, right? Meditate on it day and night. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, sitting there and crossing your legs, going you know, all the time, okay, because that's not going to help you any. Um, but actually thinking about it, I, I looked it up. The definition of meditate, think deeply or carefully about something, right? So we read it in the morning and we study it. And then as we go throughout our day, we think about the things that we've read. We got to think it over, right? That's one of the things that I do. Like I love running. You guys know that about me, but that's what I do. You know, I'm running circles around the lake over here and you see the same thing over and over and over and over again, right? You got to think about something and God's word is a perfect thing to think about. My mom uh, kind of taught me that because she would run and she would memorize while she was out there. And so a lot of the times when she would repeat a verse that she had memorized, it had this cadence to it because she memorized it while she was running. And there's certain verses that I then memorized from mom helping me, and I cannot repeat the verse without having this like running, you know, 90 steps per minute cadence to it, right? But but that's the idea. You meditate on it. Um, the the classic illustration that all my teenagers love that I when I do this, is the cow, right? Okay. Those of you that are familiar with cows and cow anatomy, um, you you know that they've got multiple stomachs, right? They've got four stomachs. So they go out and they eat the grass and they swallow it, right? And then you go past a cow in the field and you see it later and it's chewing and you're like, it didn't, just eat any grass. Why is it chewing? Well, that's because the cow, it goes in the one stomach and then it literally throws the food back up and it chews it again to help digest it better. And then it swallows it and it goes to the other two stomachs until it digests. I get all the nasty looks in the back row. I love doing that to teenagers. All my, the teen girls are like, gross. Anyway, that's one of the things I try to do a youth group is make the girls like gross out um, or youth leaders. Sorry guys. Uh, but that's what that's like. The, the cow is a great illustration of that. We think of God's word and we we take our steak knife and we there was the cow on the screen. I didn't intend to do that. You take your steak knife out and I really do like Chick-fil-A. And and you eat it and then, you know, you've got to take God's word in yourself and study it, but then bring it back to your mind and think about it. Day and night it says, day and night all the time. It should come back to your mind. And you're thinking about those things that you've studied. And you're trying to understand them better and process them more. And the more you dig into God's Word, the more you understand it. And the more you understand it, the more you want to dig into it. And it's this vicious, wonderful cycle that you keep going down, understanding more about God's Word. Um, the other classic illustration is the idea of a, a love letter, right? You know, you get a love letter from your sweetheart on Valentine's Day. You don't just read it and put it down. You read it over and over again and you keep it in your special place where you keep all your love notes so you don't tell anybody else where it is in case your kids find them when you're old and read them and laugh at you. But that's the way we should see with God's word. So Ezra made a commitment to study God's word, but he didn't stop there, right? Study, his next thing is that he obeyed it. It says he set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it. He wanted to do it, right? So we got to obey what we read. we got to obey what we study. That's one of those things that that we see all the time in our churches where we we read God's Word, we hear God's Word, and then we go away and we don't do anything about it. James talks about that. He says in, in James 1, 22, he said, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only So we got to put into practice the things that we study, right? It can't just stop with filling our head with knowledge. We got to live it out. And James talks about the mirror, right? So you wake up in the morning and your hair's all a mess and you go and you look in the mirror and you don't just look at it and say, "Ah, oh, that's pretty ugly. You know, you do something about it, right? It's one of the things I think everybody at some point should work with the age group of the you know, upper elementary and middle school age group especially boys, right, that are somehow running our sound right now. So I don't know how that's going to work. But I, Dale, I included you in that. Um, but that, it's, it's a great thing because the moms are like tired of dressing their sons. And so they just kind of like let them go out and get made fun of because they don't look at themselves in the mirror. Um, right? So my mom used to do that to me and all my friends. Well, my brothers would laugh at me before my friends were would, so they kind of helped me with that. But, but that's the idea. You know, you look in the mirror and you don't just look and see all the messed up nasty stuff all over your face. You do something about it, right? You comb your hair, you shave, you, you know, you do wipe all the slobber off your face. You got to look at it and see what's wrong and then do it. When we look into God's Word, it's that mirror that shows us what's wrong so that we can change it. It's the the light to our path that shows us there's a rock in front of us so we don't trip over it, right? And if we just read God's Word, or maybe we even study it, but we don't obey it, we're just going to trip over that rock. We're walking out into the world with slobber all over our face, and we haven't wiped it off. God has shown us how we're supposed to live our life, so we need to obey it. Uh, Pastor Dean tells this story a lot. Uh, he's looking at me. He tells the story of a, the new preacher who came to town, right? And the church called the new preacher and he gets up and on Sunday morning, you know, everybody's excited, new preacher. He preaches the message. Everybody's like, great job, pastor, right? They go, come back the next week. He gets up there and they're all excited. What is he going to preach this morning? He preaches the same sermon. They kind of look at him and they're like, okay, well, we'll let it go. And the next week comes by and he preaches the same sermon again and kind of all the deacons come up to him and they're like, Preacher, don't you think you got any other material? And he says, Well, if you were doing the first sermon that I preached to you, then I will move on to the next one. So we, we kind of get in this idea of, you know, we, we, we hear things and we know them, but we need to live them out. And Ezra, that's part of the commitment he made to God. He, he set his heart not only to study, but to do God's Word. Right? And we think of sometimes the, these people in the Bible as, you know, we, we set them up and they're these great people that are, you know, live for God and glorified God and they're awesome. But if you read, they, they made a lot of mistakes, right? You read about Abraham, he made a lot of mistakes. You read about Moses, he made a lot of mistakes. Ezra, it wasn't all rosy for him either. You think of the, the culture that he was in, they were still, you know, part of a province of, you know, the, the Persian empire. And when he came into Jerusalem and and kind of took his role bringing a second group back with him, there in Jerusalem, the temple had just been completed, the new temple, but all around him, people had been intermarrying with the people of the land, were worshiping other gods, right? They they got married to a foreigner who, who worshiped another god, so while they're building the temple to Jehovah, they're also worshiping this idol. And Ezra comes in as the high priest, and that's the culture that he came into. And he said, you know what? In the midst of all of this, I am going to set my heart to study God's Word and to live it out. That's the commitment he made. We need to make that commitment as a church and as individuals. We need to say, I'm going to study God's Word. I'm going to look into it and see what does God actually have to say about it. And I'm going to live it out even if everybody else in my culture is not living it out, too. So when Moses was talking to Joshua, right, and he said, meditate on it day and night. Well, why did you meditate on it day and night? It says, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So we study, and then we obey. But then Ezra moved on. It was three parts, right? Three points. Study, obey. And he said he was going to teach it, right? And some of us are thinking, wait, wait a second. Is he going to ask me to teach a Sunday school class? Well, if God is calling you to teach a Sunday school class, I think you should. But we all should be out serving in some way. Uh, it kind of makes me think of uh, a pond. This is a, a picture I took. Um, Up at Word of Life, so those of you teenagers, this is a sunset there uh, over one of the ponds, right? So they're going to be next to the big lake. It's a great lake, nice and cold, even in the middle of August. You can go swimming and cool off and stuff. Uh, So this is the scenery you get to see. Uh, But this was actually, the camp I worked at was on the other side of the lake. You know, there's a road and stuff. So we weren't right on the lake, but there was this pond. It was called Andrew's Pond. So this is that picture there of a, a sunset at Andrew's Pond. Um, and Andrew's pond is awesome, right? Beautiful area. You see the pine trees and stuff. We, as a staff went out and actually had this big cardboard cutout life size of a moose that we'd put on the far side of the lake. So that when people stand there, they're like, oh, is that a moose? And then they stand there for 30 minutes and realize it's not moving and they figure it out. But, um, but this is a great place. The thing is the picture doesn't really do it justice. One, because it's way more beautiful than that. Two, uh, it stinks. I'll just put it to you. It stinks. This, this pond, Andrew's Pond, just reeks. And the thing is, there's a stream flowing into Andrew's Pond, and there's no stream flowing out of Andrew's Pond. So it's not really a pond. It's more of a swamp, and it looks gorgeous, but it smells horrible. And there's nothing in it that is alive that you would want. Like I'd see kids trying to you know, fish, and they'd be standing there, and I'm like, if you pull anything out of there, please throw it back. Because it's not going to be something you want. They say no swimming. One person was out in a canoe and fell and had to swim back to shore and pull leeches off of him. True story. Gross, okay? Don't worry, moms. Your kids will not be at this lake. That be the pond, swamp. They'll be at the actual lake that's nice, okay, that you can swim in. But that's what happens, right? When you've got a stream flowing into a pond, but no exit, the water just sits there and eventually it becomes a swamp. And sadly... That's the way many Christians are, right? There's a stream of living water flowing into them, but there's nothing flowing out. And so the water just sits there and gets nasty and gross, and nobody wants any of that. And so what Ezra, when he purposed in his heart, he, he set his heart to study and then obey, he said, I'm going to teach others the statutes and rules that I study in God's Word, right? So if we are not out there making disciples, we're not really obeying the Bible anyway, right? If we're going to do it, we're going to obey, we're going to be out there making disciples, right? That's the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. And that begins and ends with evangelism, okay? So if you are not out there making disciples, you're not really obeying God's Word, You can study it and do those things that you see, right? You don't drink, you don't cuss, you don't chew, you don't run with girls that do. Um, But if you're not making disciples, then you're not fully obeying God's Word. And so this is what we're told to do. We need to go out and teach others. Even if you're not standing up in front of a class teaching them, you need to teach them by the way you live your life. And you might think, you know, how do I make disciples? Well, come on Wednesday nights. Pastor Jeremy's doing a great study called Multiply, and he'll help you learn how to do that. But basically, it's really simple. First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am as Christ. Paul is telling the Corinthians, Look, follow me as I'm trying to follow Christ. He wasn't putting himself up as this, this you know, model of perfection that everybody was supposed to mimic. What he was saying is, look, I'm trying to follow Jesus. Come along with me. And that's how you make disciples. You can think, oh well I need to be, you know, I need to get this area of my life right before I can go out and make disciples. No. You don't find that anywhere in the Bible. Oh well I need to go, you know, get this fixed or I need to be more mature before No. You just need to be moving in the right direction, studying and obeying God's word yourself and bringing other people along with you. So you can look at other people and say, look, I'm following Jesus. Come with me. I'm following Jesus. Come with me. That's what Paul was saying here. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This is something that we try to do in our uh, Word of Life programs. Um, and most all you know already, you know we're, we're even switching over our children's ministries to Word of Life. Uh, so instead of... right. Uh, what is it, Cubbies, Sparks, and TNT, it'll now be, you know, Gopher Buddies, and then Olympians, and then that flows right into our teens. And in that, there's the challenge to memorize, you know, Scripture and have your quiet time and do Christian service and all of these things that we challenge our kids to do, right? Um, But the leaders are challenged to do that too. And we say, hey, leaders, you need to be memorizing these same verses as the kids, right? it's all God's word. Do these things. And the reason we do that is because it's kind of hard to ask a kid to memorize God's word if you're not doing it yourself, right? So if we are all working together and being disciples and following Christ, and we follow along and we bring those people with us, right? We're following Christ and we say, follow me as I follow Christ. Come along and we can work together. We can live life on life, right? You'll hear that phrase a lot around here, life on life we're living life together, making disciples, trying to help each other out, become more like Christ, right? That's why we're here. So it kind of all comes down, and I know we've talked about these keys to success, um, but we kind of have to understand, well, how do we measure success, right? What is success? I've not really given you a good definition, Um, but in the book of Matthew, Also in the book of Luke, Jesus gives two different parables, okay? The parable of the talents, right? And they're two different parables. You don't want to get them confused. In one of them, in Matthew, a rich man, a ruler, gives his servants different, you know, amounts of money and says, go make more money while I'm gone, okay? In Luke, he gives everybody the same amount of money and says, go make money while I'm gone. Um, And when he comes back, he he calls all the, the people to himself and he says, okay, well, what, you know, how much money did you, did you make, you know, what, what was the, your success rate, right? We're going to say, and they come up to him and they all report a little differently, right? In Matthew, you know, the the one has five talents and he comes back, he says, look, I made five more. And then he says, I had two talents. Well, now I had two more. And then the one comes and he's like, hey, you only gave me one. And I went and buried it in the ground. Here I dug it up. Here's it back, right? And Jesus answers them. And he says, you know, you two that, that made the money, you went out and you worked, you did good. I'm going to reward you. You were faithful. You that didn't do anything, you just sat there, buried my money in the ground, and he, he condemns him and sends him away because he was an unfaithful servant. And the, the point of that is really the measure of success is just our faithfulness because we really have no control over the success, you know, in the world's eyes, the the number of people that get saved in our church. We have no control over what our kids do when they leave the church, right? We just have control over our own faithfulness. That's why this verse here, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Paul talking again to the, the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. He made it clear he's doing work. Apollos is coming in and doing work. But all it is is them being faithful and God brought the growth. So when we purpose in our hearts to study, obey, and teach God's word, our measure of success is really, were we faithful? Were we doing the things that God told us to? And there at the end, Jesus says to those servants, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Good and faithful. That's all he's looking for, for us to be faithful. And we can't be faithful to something we don't know what it says, right? So we have to study it. And then we can be faithful in obeying it and telling other people, hey, follow along with me while I'm following Jesus. And that is what makes us successful. It's faithfulness to God's Word and to living it out to the best of our ability. It's not, you know, having a big program. It's not witnessing to everybody we know and them all getting saved. Praise the Lord if that happens. But what God wants for us is that we are faithful with what we've been given. We study, obey and teach God's word to others. And that is how you can be successful. So, college graduates, I hope, and I pray that as you go out um, and you're in college, that you will study, obey. And teach God's Word. You get around a group of friends that will help you obey God's Word. And you can teach them, and they can teach you, and you can together be faithful to the call of Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your Word. I thank you for giving us all the tools we need to live a successful life. I pray that we would make that commitment to let Your Word dictate how we live, to study it, to live it out, and to make disciples of all nations. Again, I pray for these two young ladies as they are graduating high school, that they would stay close to You, They would let your word dictate how they live. That they would study and obey your word. And they would turn to those people around them and say, Hey, I'm following Jesus. Follow me. Come with me. And that they would make disciples. And we would see this generation changed for you. And that you'd glorify yourself by the amazing things that that you've done. Through your people, we pray this in your name, Amen.
1: Be thou my vision, O. dignity be thou May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun, heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision. dear lord we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and and lord that we would we would ask today that you would take this message today and that we would strive to be successful by learning your word teaching your word and obeying your word lord and we we'd ask that you would help us with that and that we would all be successful